Today, we're going to begin a new summer message series called Summer in the Psalms. I am so excited about this series because over the next eight weeks, we're going to be spending some intentional time together as a church family in the book of Psalms. Uh, In fact, if you're here in person, we have a bulletin that uh, I've included a devotional reading guide that you can read through over the next eight weeks. But if you're just listening online this weekend, uh, you can read five Psalms per week. And throughout this series, you will have read through the first 41 Psalms by the time we finish this series. Now, I'll tell you the significance of that number uh, later on in the series today. So before we jump into the first Psalm this morning, I want to spend some time learning about the book of Psalms as a whole. You know, I've said in the past, and and I truly believe this, it is so important to understand the context before we jump straight to the content. So author uh, Warren Wearsby has a great commentary that covers the entire book of Psalms. And in his introduction to his commentary, he writes this, the book of Psalms has been and still is the irreplaceable devotional guide, prayer book, and hymnal of the people of God. You know, I read this and as I'm reading through the Psalms, I just thought this is such a great sentence. It helps us understand how to approach this amazing book. You see, we don't study the book of Psalms in the same way that we might study another book in the Bible. Say, a, a New Testament book written by the Apostle Paul as a letter to the church. We, we don't study the Psalms in the same way that we would study a book like that. The Psalms are meant to be read devotionally, uh, prayed during difficult seasons, as well as seasons of prosperity. And they're meant to be sung by the church as we worship God together for who he is. You know, the Hebrew title for the book of Psalms is the word Tehillim, which means the book of praises. The Greek translation uses the word psalmos, which means a song sung to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. We know that for generations, the Psalms have been used as a songbook for the people of God as they learn to to praise God together. And today we call this collection of songs, poems and prayers. We call it the Psalms. It's often referred to as the Psalter as well. You know, as a devotional book, the Psalms are a guide helping us to connect with our Heavenly Father, shaping how we relate to God and helping us learn what it looks like to live the kind of life that honors God, that glorifies God and is blessed by God. As a book of prayers, we're given a front row seat to the raw emotion expressed by individuals who cry out to God during extremely difficult seasons, as well as seasons of prosperity. As a book of songs or praises, the church is able to use the Psalms as we worship God for who he is, learning more about his character and nature and who we're created to be as God's most prized creation. You know, in the early church, the Psalms were also used uh, to aid in the preaching and proclamation of the gospel. Uh, They were read aloud to offer encouragement in the midst of difficult seasons. I would say specifically when the church was in seasons of, of difficult persecution, and they were a regular part of the church's worship. I would say they're, they're still an important part of our worship today. You know, we read the Psalms when we gather together. There are songs that we sing that come directly from the Psalms. The, the book of Psalms is the longest book in terms of chapters that we have in God's word. There are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. As the book with the most chapters, Psalms also contains the longest 
chapter. The longest chapter is Psalm 119, and Psalm 119 has 176 verses. Uh, The book of Psalms also contains the shortest chapter in God's word. This is Psalm 117. There's only two verses. The book of Psalms also contains the very middle chapter in God's word, and this is Psalm 118. So I've always thought that's pretty amazing that the shortest Psalm, the the shortest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 117. The longest chapter is 119, and the very middle chapter in God's word is 118, Psalm 118. You know, the book of Psalms is the most often Old Testament book that's quoted in the New Testament. In fact, there are over 400 direct quotations or indirect allusions made to the Psalms in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus quoted the Psalms more than he quoted any other Old Testament book. So an important question for us today is this. If the Psalms were so important to Jesus, shouldn't they also be important in our lives as well? I believe the answer is absolutely yes. No other Old Testament book teaches us as much about God all at once as do the Psalms. All five of the major attributes of God are found in the Psalms. We learn in the Psalms that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing, that God is everywhere present, that God is eternal in his existence, and God is unchangeable in his character. We find all of this in the book of Psalms. You know, for generations, God has used the Psalms to speak directly to his people, showing us that we can encounter God in every circumstance in life. It's been said that every situation in life is represented in the Psalms. That's important for us to remember. So how are we supposed to cover the Psalms in a meaningful way if we're only going to be in this series for eight weeks this summer? Well, there are four basic ways or four basic methods that you can use to read through and study the Psalms. Now, remember, we don't study the Psalms like we'd study another book. So I say that kind of loosely, but there's four methods that we can use uh, to read through and encounter God in the Psalms. Um, The first method is what's called the book method. Uh, There are five books or five divisions in the book of Psalms. If you were to open your Bible this morning to Psalm chapter 1, you would most likely see what I'm talking about. It would say book 1, Psalms 1 through 41, and then you would go into book 1. And as you read or turn through the Psalms, you'll find all five books, all five divisions. So why are the Psalms divided into five books? Well, it's believed that the Jewish rabbis organized the Psalms into five books, so that it would reflect the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. So you have book one, which is Psalms uh, 1 through 41. This reflects the first book in the Torah, the book of Genesis. Then you have book two, which is Psalms 41 through 72. This reflects the book of Exodus. You have book three, which is Psalms 73 through 89. This reflects Leviticus. You have book four, which is Psalms 90 through 106. This reflects the book of Numbers. And then finally, you have book five, which is Psalms 107 through 150. And this reflects Deuteronomy. And each book within the book of Psalms contains key words and key themes that we find in the book that they reflect in the Torah. And this is, this is so amazing. It's so interesting to me. So that's the book method. You can read and study the Psalms this way. Another way that you can read through the Psalms is what's called the authorship method. You know, there are a number of authors 
in the book of Psalms, with King David being the most prominent. In fact, David wrote almost half of the Psalms. David wrote 73 of them. Then you have Asaph or Asaph who wrote 12. You have the sons of Korah, which were musicians, who wrote 11. You have Heman and Ethan who wrote two. Uh, King Solomon who wrote two. Moses who wrote one. And then the remaining 49 are anonymous. So that's the authorship method. You can read the Psalms using the authorship method. Read it by, by author. You could read all of David's Psalms or all of the sons of Korah, their Psalms. That's the authorship method. Then there's the subject matter method. You know, there are a long list of subjects and themes that are covered throughout the Psalms. You have Psalms of distress, Psalms of judgment, Psalms of prayer and praise. Now, there are Psalms about those who are blessed by God and Psalms about the wicked, Psalms that teach us about the attributes of God. And then there are Messianic Psalms, devotional Psalms, and Hallelujah Psalms. So that's the, the subject matter method. And sometimes that's, that's really helpful to study the Psalms or read the Psalms using that method. Finally, there's the style method. Uh, some of your translations will tell you what style a particular Psalm is written in, and it'll do so using a Hebrew word to define that particular style. Now, I'll be honest, I can't pronounce most of these Hebrew words, and I don't expect you to be able to pronounce them either. So for this series, uh, my plan is to preach through the Psalms using the first method, the book method. See, in in the first book, there are 41 Psalms. So over the next eight weeks, I'm going to choose a handful of Psalms from this first book, and we'll cover these Psalms in greater detail. Now, we're not going to cover all 41. Again, I think that would take upwards of a year, but that's why you have your devotional reading guide. If you read five Psalms a week, starting with Psalm 1, you'll get through all 41 Psalms in the first book by the time we finish this series. Uh, that last week, you'll have to read six. But I, you know, I really believe this is going to be uh, an amazing season in the life of our church. We're going to encounter and experience God in an incredible way. Um, we're going to learn to to worship God uh, sincerely and authentically through the Psalms. Uh, we're going to see it as a, as a prayer book and a devotional guide. This is going to be a good time, a good season in the life of our church. I truly believe that. So right now I want to transition and uh, invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 1. We're going to look at the first Psalm, which is verse 1 through 6. And this is what we read. Blessed or blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the first two Psalms, we're only looking at the first one today, but the first two are meant to be short introductions that lay out the main themes of the entire book of Psalms. And they do so by reviewing the storyline that we see throughout God's word. And this first Psalm lays the groundwork for what the Psalms are all about. You could say it's a gateway to the rest of the Psalms. Now, Psalm chapter 1 begins with these words, blessed or blessed is the man, blessed is the one, blessed is the person. So this psalm is all about the blessed life. 
the writer begins his psalm by highlighting the kind of life that's blessed by God as well as the kind of life that's not. In fact, when you first read this psalm or first listened to me read this song, you may have noticed there are two ways to live, two roads that you can go down in life. The first road is the road of the righteous. And then the second road is the road or the way of the wicked. Now, these two roads are very different and they lead to two very different destinations. The road of the righteous is like a well-watered tree that bears fruit each season and prospers. Then you have the way of the wicked. The way of the wicked is like chaff scattered by the wind, ending its life in destruction. See, the main difference between these two roads is that the righteous delight and meditate on God's word, and the wicked reject God's word and mock those who live for God. In fact, there's one criteria for righteousness in this psalm, and that's to delight and meditate on the law of the Lord, or delight and meditate on the word of God. And we know the law of the Lord means all of God's word, from the book of Genesis all the way to the end of the New Testament to the book of Revelation. Delighting and meditating on God's word means loving God's word, spending time reading God's word, thinking about God's word praying God's word, memorizing God's word, and applying what you read to everyday life. You know, delighting and meditating on God's word really are the first steps when it comes to living out God's word in your own life. Now, to follow God, to walk in step with the spirit starts by delighting in God's word and meditating on God's word so that you know what it says and so that you know how to live it out in your own life. We've said numerous times that God's word is for learning. It's important that we, we learn God's word. We become familiar with it. We learn the main themes, the, the authors, the context. We, we know those things, but it's also for living. You know, if all we're doing is learning and knowing all the facts, that's just religion. A relationship means we live it out. We allow uh, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We allow God's truths to affect our lives even in the smallest of, of, of details. The first couple of verses in this psalm highlight the kind of life that's blessed by God and the kind of life that's not, the righteous and the wicked. This first verse also gives us three characteristics for the righteous and the wicked. Now look with me to Psalm 1, verse 1. It said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So the righteous do not walk, or another word for that is live. We'll see that a little bit later. The righteous don't, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. What I want to do this morning for the rest of the message is take a closer look at each of these three words. Uh, walk, stand, and sit. These are important words because uh, there's differences between each of them. These words are all different postures that a person can take. So let's start with this first word, walk. Think about walking for a moment. What happens when you walk? Well, I think for most people, walking is fairly easy. It doesn't take much energy to walk. In fact, you could be walking in one direction and then decide on a dime to change direction and go another way. It's, it's fairly easy to do that. God's word says, blessed is the person who does not walk or live in the counsel of the wicked. You're, you're not listening to and following the advice of the wicked. So what, what is the writer talking about here? I know if you're anything like me, you know, all of us get involved in conversations, listening to the opinions of others. 
this, this is just one example, but you know, you could be a part of a conversation with a group and individuals in that group are talking about the, the worship service on Sunday morning. And, and that individual or that group might say something like this, you know, I really, I really liked the worship this morning. I really enjoyed the songs that were chosen. I was, I was able to connect with God and worship God sincerely and authentically. It, you know, it was a good time of worship for the church. That's encouraging, right? You know, it's good to be around people that talk well of the church and, and what God is doing. And then a day or two later, you could go to another group, be a part of a conversation where they're talking about the exact same time of worship. And someone might say, you know, can you believe the songs that they're playing on Sunday morning? I mean, can you believe that song that, that the worship leader chose? I mean, that, that's not even worship. See, before you know it, you're, you're also finding something negative to say about the worship. You've, you've changed direction because you're listening to the counsel of others. The point that I'm trying to make is this. It's, it's easy to walk in the counsel of others and then quickly change direction to, based on what others are saying or because you feel pressured into responding a certain way. God, God's word tells us, you know, blessed is the person who does not live this way. Blessed is the person who doesn't walk down the path where you're constantly just changing directions, just going with the crowd. As believers, we, we should test everything against God's word. We should prayerfully discern the direction, the response that God wants us to have. So the question is, who do we listen to? Who, who do we follow? Well, we should listen to and follow God's counsel through his word. That's the counsel that we should listen to. That's the counsel that we should follow. The psalmist says, you can either live by the counsel of other people, in this case, wicked people, or you can live by the counsel of God. You have two ways, two paths, two roads that you can go down. So what do we do when the path isn't clear? Well, you delight and meditate on God's word. You, you look for his direction. The second word I want to talk about this morning is the word stand. If you're taking notes, you can just write in the word stand. But we see that in Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. You know, think about what happens when you stand. When you stand, your feet are planted. I think it takes a little more energy to move from one location to another if your feet are planted. And when you're planted, your feet are planted, you're, you're typically somewhere for a certain amount of time. You see, when you stand, you, you can still change direction, but it does take a little more energy. The psalmist is saying, blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners. When, when you stand, you're standing in a specific location. Uh, scripturally, the Bible's saying when, you, when you're standing, when you've taken a position, you're either standing on the path of the wicked or the path of the righteous. You're, you're in one or two. There, there's not a middle ground there. When you stand, you're standing on a certain path. So what path should we intentionally not stand on? Well, the path or the way of the sinner. Romans 3.23 reminds us that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. You see, we, we all walk down the path of sin. We've all sinned, every person without exception other than Jesus. But the blessed person does not stand there. They don't plant their feet there. They don't stand in the way of sinners. That's an important truth for us this morning. The third word that I want to talk about is the word sit. 
Psalm 1 verse 1 uh, continues. It said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. And here's the word, or sit in the seat of mockers. So what happens when you sit or, or are seated? When you're sitting or seated, you're, you're typically settled in. You know, I'll give you an example just from my own life. If it's the end of the week, all right, if it's, you know, Thursday evening, it's after work, I get home. If I make it to the couch, if I'm planted on the couch, it's like pulling teeth uh, to get me to move after I've settled in. All right, so my wife loves to cook. I love to eat, and she might be cooking from the kitchen, and she'll yell out, hey, would you mind helping me cut some vegetables uh, tonight? Or, or she'll say, hey, why don't you get up and wrestle with the boys and kind of keep them occupied while I'm cooking, because a lot of times they're running in and out of the kitchen. But I'm going to be honest, sometimes it's hard to get me up because I'm seated. I'm, I'm settled in. You know, when you're seated or, or settled into a certain way of thinking or, or living, uh, that means you're there for the long haul. In fact, it's going to be extremely difficult to get you to move. And the psalmist is saying, blessed is the person who doesn't sit in the seat of mocker, mockers. Blessed is the person who isn't settled in, joining in with mockers, going down the path of the wicked. You know, when you're seated, it's very difficult to move. So these three words give us a word picture for the characteristics of the righteous and the wicked. The psalmist is saying the righteous don't live this way. They go down a different path. So this begs the question, who are the righteous? What do they do? What, what path do they go down? And this is an important question. Doesn't both the Old and New Testament say that there are none who are righteous? That's what the Bible tells us. Well, it just so happens that the Apostle Paul addresses this issue for us. He addresses this question for us in the New Testament book of Ephesians. So in three different places in this book, Paul uses the same three words, walk, stand, and sit. And he does this, I believe, to help answer this question. It's almost as if Paul is answering this question for us from Psalm 1. Who are the righteous? You know, What do they do? What path do they go down? Now, we're going to read it in order of the way that Ephesians was written. So we're not going to encounter these words in the order that we see them in the book of Psalms, but you'll see at the end of the message how these connect. I think this is just awesome. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. We're going to read this, this entire text. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. He's saying even when we were at our worst. See, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You look back at verse six, it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There's that word seated. So once we were all in the seat of scoffers and mockers, the, the people who don't pay attention to God's word or care about living by God's design. Friends, we have all been there. We've all sat in that seat at some point and in some way. But now, when you give your life to Jesus, when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, when you place your trust in Christ, the Bible tells us that you're a new creation, seated in the heavenly realms in 
Christ. So this is Paul addressing the posture of sitting or, or being seated. Then Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that when you're seated in Christ, there's a certain way that you're called to live, a certain path that you should take. Ephesians 4 verse 1, it says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live or, or walk. It's the same word. Remember that word live and walk here is the same. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Other translations will say walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Paul is saying, uh, church, I am pleading with you to walk down this path, the path of righteousness. You were bought with a price. So honor God with your life. Glorify God in the way that you live. This is the path that God has called you to walk down. This is the road that God has called you to go down. So this is Paul addressing the posture of walking. So we're we're seated in Christ, and we're called to walk down the path of the righteous. And then we encounter this third word. Ephesians 6 verse 14 says, Stand firm. Stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So stand firm. Now the whole context of this passage is all about standing firm in Christ. See, we're seated in Christ when we believe and are baptized. Then we're called to walk down the path or go down the road of righteousness as we live for Christ. And we're to stand firm in Christ as we grow in our relationship with God. See, the Bible says there are none righteous, And Paul is reminding us that we are made righteous, not by our own works, that's the difference, but by the work of Christ on the cross. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation, to earn God's favor, to earn God's love. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves righteous. We are made righteous, not by our own works, but by the work of Christ on the cross. And then we walk by the counsel of Christ that we find in his word. We stand firm in Christ as we grow in our relationship with God and we are seated in our relationship with Christ. This is what the blessed life is all about. We walk in the counsel of God. We stand firm in Christ and we're seated in our relationship in Christ. So does this mean that you're only going to be blessed by God if you get life right 100% of the time? You know, it's important to understand that Psalm 1 is not a checklist. Religion makes these things a checklist. Relationship sees it as an opportunity to live for Christ out of the overflow of a grateful heart, a heart that loves God because he first loved us. It's not a checklist. It doesn't say if you get all these things right, God will make things perfect in your life. We know that for the Christian, that's not the case. But I'll say this, when you're walking in God's counsel, when you're standing firm in Christ and you're seated in your relationship with Jesus, this is the blessed life. That is the blessed life. That's where you experience the kind of joy that the world cannot take away. That's where you live life the way that God intended for you to live. So the first word in this psalm is the word blessed or blessed. And then the very last word, if you look to the end of Psalm 1, is the word perish. This psalm describes what the blessed life looks like. What happens when we're walking in God's counsel, standing firm in Christ and seated in Christ. It's that walk, stand, sit. This is a picture of the blessed life. So my question for you today is this. Are you living the blessed life? This summer, as we go through the psalms together, my my prayer is that you would walk 
in God's counsel. You would walk by his word. There are so many voices, so many things in our culture today trying to to grab your attention. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Walk in God's counsel. Walk by his word. Invest yourself in God's word. Be devoted to the word. Also, stand firm in Christ, you know, regardless of what's going on in the world. You know, I, personally, I've never experienced a time like this in my 32 years of living. But this is a time for the church to remain faithful to the word and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Stand firm in Christ, regardless of what's going on in the world. My prayer is also that you would grow in your relationship with Christ as you are seated in Christ. You know, friends, I'm excited about this series. Uh, please join me in reading through the first book in Psalms, uh, chapters 1 through 41, and uh, use this as a devotional guide, as a prayer book, and as an opportunity to praise God as faithful uh, men who've gone before us have done.